Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Revolt Black News, presented by State Farm. Tonight on Revolt Black News Weekly. I'm calling on Mayor Kenny and Governor Wolf to both declare a state of emergency. Our cities under siege. We talk about 500 homicides this year, 500 homicides from last year. From Philadelphia to Detroit to Chicago, gun violence climbing at alarming rates. What is at the heart of this wave of violence? I said that any solution has to be community driven. And somebody even said, well, she's beginning to sound like a broken record. Well, I'm going to say it again louder for the people in the back. From the darkest days of our past and the appalling atrocity of slavery. Breaking from Buckingham Palace. For us in Barbados, it has been a long time coming. Barbados dethroning Queen Elizabeth as head of state. What this move means for the island nation and Rihanna lands the national treasure status. The right excellent Robin Rihanna Fenty. Plus, we're breaking down the dollars and cents of cryptocurrency. And it's amazing. This one is especially, you know, meaningful. Hallie, Jay Hud, and Ava taking top honors as Hollywood celebrates black excellence. All that and more as the Black News Revolution starts right now. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm Ebony K. Williams. We begin with gun violence going wild in Philadelphia. With over 500 murders and counting, a surge in homicides now haunts the ironically named city of brotherly love. Now, some folks are chalking it up to social media impacting our youth, while others simply want to know what in the hell is going on in Philadelphia. Now, that is the question we're asking in tonight's top story. They got all these different people. They shoot a 14-year-old kid that all my son did was play ball, listen to music, and joke. That's all he did. A grieving mother, Desiree Goodson, looks for answers after her 14-year-old son, Samir Jefferson, was shot more than 18 times and killed last week in North Philadelphia. And just this past week. Now, sources are telling Eyewitness News this could have been a drive-by shooting that happened just before 4 a.m. Now, police have confirmed as a result, three men were shot, two were pronounced dead. Not only has the city well surpassed 500 homicides already in 2021, breaking the record set back in 1990, but a couple of weeks still remain in what's being called Philly's deadliest year ever. We talk about 500 homicides this year, but as someone who works on this issue consistently day in and day out with a sense of passion, I still count those 500 homicides from last year, which over the last two year periods to date, we want to have a thousand families who will not celebrate Thanksgiving. Philadelphia council member Kenyatta Johnson is adamant about finding solutions to crack down on the violence rather than falling into the broader picture. Allocating $155 million of violence prevention initiatives. But where does Philly fit into the broader picture? Well, it's not in the top 10 cities with the highest murder rates. But in terms of the most populated black cities, Philly is number five. And New York comes in first. 
But New York isn't in the top 10 murder cities because homicides are not only on the decline, but when compared to every 100,000 residents, New York had just one homicide, whereas Chicago had 15, and Philly eclipses both at 19. In July, when looking at the data per capita of the country's top 10 biggest cities, Philadelphia had the highest murder rate in the country. And now the city is averaging a homicide every 16 hours. But why? With young people right now, social media does drive a lot of the violence. I'm not saying it's in the case in this one, but it is a problem across this city and across the country. Deputy Commissioner of the Philly Police Department, Ben Nash, isn't alone. Police Commissioner Danielle Outlaw attributes the violence to social media beef. Early on in my tenure here, I said that any solution has to be community driven. And somebody even said, well, she's beginning to sound like a broken record. Well, I'm going to say it again louder for the people in the back. So if they're correct, how does social media influence the younger generation? According to the Philadelphia police crime mapper, over 50% of the first 506 homicide victims were 18 to 30 years old. And although 14-year-old Samir Jefferson doesn't fit into that 18 to 30 demographic, there was mention of social media. His mom told Fox 29 he sent a recording of a fight to someone on Instagram shortly before he was shot. But beyond social media, some look to sound the alarm. And while the iconic Liberty Bell is out of use, others are calling action elsewhere. I'm calling on Mayor Kenny and Governor Wolf to both declare a state of emergency. And with that, we bring in our panel. Joining is Philadelphia City Council member Kenyatta Johnson, columnist for the Philadelphia Daily News and morning host for 900 AM WURD Radio, Solomon Jones, tech and social media expert and Philly resident, Stephanie Humphrey. Welcome all of you to the show. Councilman Johnson, uh, thank you. I want to start with you. Now, ABC News just reported that Philadelphia has more homicides this year than the nation's two largest cities, New York, of course, and L.A., putting it right behind the city of Chicago. Councilman, do you think this rise in homicides put Philadelphia into a state of emergency? Well, we've always been in a constant state of emergency when it comes to senseless gun violence here in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, we have to make sure that this is the number one priority that we're addressing as chairperson of the Special Committee on Gun Violence, we have come up with a comprehensive strategy and approach to focus on one, violence prevention, two, tracking down where illegal guns are coming from, and three, making sure that the organizations, which we call boots in the ground organizations, are supported by making sure we're investing in the work that they're doing to keep the guns out of the hands of young people. We are definitely in a state of emergency when it comes to census gun violence. Now, Stephanie, help me understand and help our audience understand, Stephanie, what, the social media beefs. Mm -hmm. Is there a particular vertical in which these are arising from? And, and how are these conversations going from social media to real life encounters? It's it's people who it's kids who already know each other on social media who are always who are okay. already aware of each other uh, in real mm -hmm. life. But now that conversation gets translated. And, you know, there are countless studies that show that young people's brains are underdeveloped. So their impulse control is lessened. Mm -hmm. So when you see this post and you know that social media has the potential to highlight and 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 
bring visibility to uh, mm -hmm. a, a perceived disrespect that might not happen in real life. So for instance, you know, somebody calls somebody's mom a name in real life, maybe three people see that, maybe three people are a part of that interaction mm. online. Now there is the possibility for hundreds of people to see that interaction. So the, so the perceived disrespect is heightened because of the visibility mm. of the internet. And it, you know, in a young person's mind, that disrespect needs to be immediately addressed. Yeah, that makes sense, the rise of stakes. Councilman Johnson, I wanna get from your perspective and your vantage point, what do you think, how do you think social media is participating as a potential culprit in what looks like it's gonna be Philadelphia's deadliest year ever? Well, you know, um, similar to what Stephanie talked about, young people feel like they're being disrespected on social media, um, posting different type of disrespectful video, music videos, right? I've seen a lot of that um, throughout the city of Philadelphia where one crew may have a, have a beef with another crew. You make a video about it, music video, and post it. And that stirs a whole lot of back and forth between different neighborhoods, which results in senseless gun violence. But also I recognize that the gun violence that we're seeing right now, these 500 homicides we're seeing, it didn't ha just happen overnight. This comes from years and years of disinvestment in predominantly African-American communities. And so social media has taken it to a different level, but we also can't not pay attention to, in areas of high poverty, you see high crime and, high, and, and, and violence as well. So when you talk about making sure all young people have a quality after-school program, making sure that every summer, every person, every young person that applies for a summer job should have that opportunity to have that summer job making sure we have equity and, and quality when it comes to the education process. All of that plays a role in why we're seeing some of the gun violence that we're actually seeing. Solomon, I want to ask you, again, you're talking to listeners and callers every day. Uh, what is their take and perception as to the social media component of all of this violence? Well, before I talk about the listeners' take, I want to talk about the men who are actually in it. Um, in addition to my work in the media, I run a nonprofit called Man Up PHL. And we've been doing for the last nine months a program called Listening to the Streets, where we bring in young men, some of whom have gun charges. Some hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again, because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Some of whom have been shot, all of whom live in communities where gun violence is a regular occurrence. And so in our conversations with them, we, we did a study based on that, written by our board chair, who's a professor at Drexel University. Um, and many of the things that they said echoed some of the things that Stephanie and the councilman had said, but it's deeper than that. Um, they use social media to track each other. 
So if they have a beef that's already taking place that did not originate on social media, they'll find someone who knows the person that they're looking for. They will trace who their followers are. They will find the person who they're looking for who might have them blocked through somebody else and then track them that way. The other thing that happens on social media is something that the councilman alluded to, which is uh, the celebration after the murder takes place. So they'll do something called smoking on the person who they murdered, right? So they'll, they'll light up some marijuana and say, I'm smoking a pack. This person, and they'll name it after the person that they killed. And so it's, it's, there, are some, there are some cultural things that are going on on social media that I think older people have, have no idea what's going on. Stephanie, to the point Solomon made, though, of the devices also being used as tracking monitors, essentially, what does that mean about policing? Does policing need to go deeper digitally than we think and, and just attacking the, the verbiage online and really looking at that um, GPS functioning that these devices are also adding to the problem? Well, it's it's a tough call to strike a balance between, you know, using social media, between law enforcement using social media to be proactive to try to head off some of this violence before it occurs and user privacy. You know, some of these accounts are private and and require a search warrant or or some other sort of um, legal loophole to to get access to. So it, it is very challenging, I think, for law enforcement to try to use social media as that sort of tool. I think right now they're probably doing doing what is within the, the realm of legal ethics to try to sort of uh, anticipate violence before it occurs. But it, it's going to be a, a really big challenge for them to balance that with, with user privacy and, and the security of the platform itself. Solomon, I want to ask you, uh, you are, as you said, the founder of the advoc advocacy group Man Up PHL. Uh, now, in that, you listed a 27-page report on your Listening to the Streets initiative. Tell us a little bit more about what that report found. So what we found is that the, the, the impetus for the, for the gunshots starts long before anybody's finger is on the trigger. Uh, we found that there are some commonalities between these young people who are engaged in this. Um, family structure, uh, there might be some problems at home, um, education, not getting the kind of education that actually prepares them uh, for the real world. And then some of the things that happen structurally and spatially in our communities, where you have schools shutting down and then you have kids from different neighborhoods funneled into uh, the same schools where conflict begins and then spills out into the streets. Um, a lot of these young people are tied to their friends uh, more closely than they are to their families. And so when conflict begins, that conflict becomes deadly. The, the main issue that they have with all of the services that are being offered is that they need somebody they already know, somebody they trust to connect them to whatever resources are available for them because you can't talk to somebody with a gun if you don't know them. They're not going to talk to you. And so, um, you know, we learned a lot from those conversations we had with them. Stephanie Solomon and, of course, Councilman Johnson, I want to thank you all for your time and your brilliant insight. Yes. Now, up ahead, Barbados breaks free from Buckingham Palace. The island crowns a new head of state and also honors their hometown queen, Rihanna. Up next, though, how to get into the game of digital currency. This is a big topic. And how to also avoid the pitfalls. Everybody wants the bag, but how? We'll discuss it and more when Revolt Black News Weekly returns. I want crypto to, to be the reason that you controlling the narrative of your financial 
in your life and how you're going to have stability in what you actually want to do. Now, that was the viral clip of rapper Waka Flocka from the most recent Revolt Summit in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, he was talking about getting into the game of cryptocurrency. Welcome back, everybody. Now, one clip that didn't quite make the rounds was Waka later speaking to the Revolt team about his opinions on the vulnerability that it takes to really understand digital currency. You got to get to a point or go somewhere that helps you understand. And I think YouTube University can help with that. I think chat rooms can help with that. I think Clubhouse can help with that. I think Discord can help with that. I think comments on Instagram can help with that. I think conversations on Twitter can help with that. I think you stepping out your shell and not feeling embarrassed like you don't know something can help with that. Now, agree or disagree, Waka is not the only person jumping into the fiscal changing landscape. From New York's mayor-elect, Mr. Eric Adams, who will reportedly receive his first three paychecks in Bitcoin, to Los Angeles Rams wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., who apparently will catch his $4.25 million salary entirely in Bitcoin to the Staples Center, now becoming the Crypto.com Arena. Listen, y'all, digital currency is taking over in a very tangible way. And today, we break down why this form of currency can be very lucrative, but at the same time, can be tempting and even damaging due to potential scams. So to unpack it, joining us is host of Revolt's very own Macronomics, Ross Mack, personal finance expert and author of From the Block to the Bank, Ash Cash, and professor of law and host of the Tech Intersect podcast, Tanya Evans. Also with us is author of Bitcoin and Black America, Isaiah Jackson. All right, we got a full house today. Now, Ross, I, I do want to start with you. Now, for so many people that keep hearing about cryptocurrency or digital currency, but don't know a damn thing about it, how can you explain it in layman terms? What is cryptocurrency? It is a new currency. It is a means of payment. But another thing that I would like to say is actually technology, right? It is the technology of the future. And so when you look at the first type of cryptocurrency, that being Bitcoin, what you have to understand there is that, look, this was created effectively in like 2008 after the strong distrust of banks, right? After the, you know, after everything that happened on Wall Street. And so the reason was is because if you can't, you know, control banks, they wanted to have something that is decentralized. It can't be controlled by anyone. It is the currency of the future. That's all. And I'll just put a period at the end of that. Yeah. And we're going to keep keep getting to it because it's a lot. I do appreciate that. Ash, I want to uh, talk now. It seems like a lot of black folks are not only getting into the game, but they're encouraging other black people to do so. So help us understand. Uh, and I know we started it here, but what are some of the logistics of turning uh, the, the physical dollar that we're also familiar with into digital currency? So I think first and foremost, getting uh, educated, understanding how it works, but then two, how you transition your you know dollars into cryptocurrency is really just finding um an exchange right and so whether mm -hmm. it's you know like a coinbase is the is the most popular one that people use um and it's really just purchasing um you know you know coins um you know exchanging your dollars for the coins for what it's trading at at the current moment um and so you can get fractions of the different types of coins but knowing and understanding what each of those coins do um, is also, you know, very important. Right. That education part is key. Uh, to that, Professor Evans, it, it could sound almost too good to be true if you don't know a lot about it. Where are the opportunities for scams or the risk? What are the risks? Right. You can't talk about the upside without talking about the, the potential risks. And that really factors mm -hmm. into the educational um, opportunities here to 
perhaps start slowly, but don't wait too long, uh, particularly in the black community. This might be one of the best opportunities, if not the best opportunity, certainly with Bitcoin and some of the other cryptocurrencies, because there are over 15,000 different types of crypto. So that point is well made about educating yourself, not only about the crypto space, how to get it, how to go from cash to crypto, where to hold it, um, but how to distinguish between uh, coins, because not all coins are created equally, case in point, uh, all of the potential rug pulls or scams out there where folks get in without fully appreciating the difference between a Bitcoin and, and one of the 15,000 other types. And they get in one day, they lose all their money. And one of the biggest issues in the space, who do you call if the rug is pulled out from under you? And that is the cautionary tale important there. Isaiah, can you clarify where Bitcoin fits into the digital currency world? Uh, again, there's 15,000 uh, different <laughs> options out there. How is Bitcoin different? Uh, yeah, so there is a distinction. There's Bitcoin and then there's other cryptocurrencies. Uh, Bitcoin's mm -hmm. goal is to be the global reserve asset of the world uh, as peer-to-peer -peer money. And uh, Bitcoin's status right now uh, is as a store of value. If we look at something mm -hmm. like the Lindy effect, which describes how money is created. Bitcoin started as a collectible. Uh, it is now at the store value stage, and we're quickly moving to the medium of exchange era. And after that will be unit of account. This all happens with new forms of money. And that is Bitcoin's place uh, in this. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, other cryptocurrencies, uh, they have use cases, but none of their use cases are to be money. And as we've seen, Bitcoin is the most valuable that there is because money is the biggest industry in the world. And is that to be interpreted fairly as Bitcoin being the safest cryptocurrency on the market now? Yes, uh, simply because it has provable scarcity. Also, it has consensus because of something called its proof of work mechanism. So we know that if we use it together, then mm -hmm. we all can uh, interact with Bitcoin. If I spend Bitcoin with you, you can spend it somewhere else. And uh, there is nobody that can take that away. And that's the best part about it. Very fascinating. Now, with reports of New York Mayor-elect Eric Adams and Los Angeles Rams wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. opting to take either some or all of their salaries uh, in Bitcoin, what does that speak towards, I guess, just the opportunity for black folks in particular to use this as a wealth building opportunity? I'll take that one to you, Ash. I do think that uh, the signal that you know, the elective officials and the, the celebrities and then even uh, financial institutions who are now embracing it is telling us that, that this is this is a, a something that's here. Um, it's not really going anywhere. It is the, mm -hmm. the future. Um, and the sooner we jump in, uh, the sooner we'll be able to realize some of that, some of that gain, and some of that wealth. Mac, let me ask you simply, if you are someone who is looking to increase the value of an investment, would you recommend today uh, that somebody puts that money into a stock exchange um, or an investment fund? Or would you say, go ahead and, and, and take the risky option of Bitcoin or cryptocurrency? I think the younger you are, you have the ability to put more into crypto because you have the ability to stomach more, to stomach more losses. Obviously, you have an investment horizon, right? Much longer. You, you could just buy some Bitcoin and hopefully look back in five, 10 years, right? Just to give you an idea, I want to say Bitcoin is up over 100% this year. The S&P 500, right? The stock market is over 20%. Yep. So when you're starting to think about how you want to have different 
investments, right? Because every investment you have has a risk associated with it, right? And so, right. you know, bigger risks sometimes can get you larger returns, but, you know, you just really want to look at it overall saying how much risk you want to take. And more importantly, when do you need this money? If you have the ability to park cash in the best cryptos, then I, I say put it in there. You know, more importantly, don't just buy it one time, right? I think it's very important to be more consistent when you start investing, finding the same amount that you can buy every month on the same day. I think that takes a lot of the emotion out of it. Professor Evans, I want to ask, where are some resources for the layperson who doesn't really know the ins and outs of this, but they do, they're intrigued, they want to, uh, you know, benefit from the enormous uh, wealth building opportunity that could be present? What websites or resources do you uh, direct them to? First of all, Bitcoin and Black America. We already have um, Isaiah Jackson on here. There's a treasure trove of information for anyone's website. I have Advantage Evans Academy. We have a club and also on-demand courses. Uh, Coindesk.com is a great resource to go and get the latest breaking news as well. There are countless uh, podcasts as well. My podcast is not solely focused on crypto, but I do look at the intersection of tech and business and law. I know so many people who go to YouTube University and then they just quit, close the computer because it's actually too much. Um, and the mm. final point is starting where you are in terms of your level of interest. The way that I got in as an attorney was really trying to understand the technology of blockchain as basically um, a record of transactions and balances that isn't centralized with one um, entity, not one government, not one um, company. Amazing. Yes. So much information out there. Uh, I want to tell everybody to really check out some of those resources Professor Evans uh, put out, including those from our guest. Uh, Professor Evans, Ash, Isaiah, Ross, we appreciate y'all so much. Incredible information. Now, up ahead, Barbados breaks free from Buckingham Palace. What does this mean for the island, and will others follow suit? Coming up, we've got Hallie, Jay Hud, Anthony Anderson, and more. Hollywood celebrates black cinema and television. This also happens as Drake withdraws his two Grammy nominations. So what does it all mean? Then former Empire star, Jesse Smollett. Well, he's running his mouth while on the stand. We'll break it all down from the courtroom drama, all in the revolt radar. That's next. Motown moved the soul of America because Motown set the beat of America. So I want to thank you, Barry, really. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Ninety-two and getting his flowers and accolades. That is music legend and Motown founder Barry Gordy, who was inducted into the 44th Kennedy Center Honors, which will air on December 22nd on CBS. Welcome back to Revolt Black News Weekly. I'm Ebony K. Williams. Now it's time to check out what else is happening in entertainment. Our special correspondent, Kennedy Rue McCullough, is in Hollywood with the big event of the week, the Critics' Choice Association's celebration of black cinema and television. Hey, Kennedy. Hey, Ebony. It was a who's who on the carpet for a celebration of black cinema and television. And the queen of the night was Halle Berry, who told me what her big honor means. How does it feel to add another trophy, another award to your mantle? <laughs> it's amazing. This one is especially, you know, meaningful. Um, I've never gotten a career achievement award, really. Um, and from this illustrious group of critics, I think it really, feels really important and very meaningful. Halle Berry, welcome her to the stage. Yes! 
Hallie's night capped off a star-studded red carpet. She received career achievement accolades, this on the heels of her directing debut of the Netflix power-punching film Bruise, which she starred in and also directed. So many times you have a great moment and everybody's asking what's next. I'm going to bask in this moment. I worked so hard to get here. So I'm just feeling this moment and enjoying all that's coming my way and that so many people are enjoying the film that we all work so hard. Ooh, girl, I feel like I can breathe now. This has been a project in the, in, in the making for over 15 years as far as myself and the reason was, you know? It was a breathable moment for Jennifer Hudson who picked up the Actress Award for Respect in taking on the role of a legend. When someone like Aretha says, play me, it's like, oh, I'm excited. But then when you realize, wait, play you? That part is done to How does it feel to be here tonight? Uh, it feels great. Uh, you know, they called, Washington said they called, I got an email uh, saying that they were honoring me tonight. Uh, as a producer, and I was, I sent an email back. Was like, oh, could you guys honor me as an actor? <laughs> and they were like, uh, no, take what you can get, sucker. Uh, so I'm here to get, take what I can get. All the film and TV people, I'm happy that you're here. A big night for Ava DuVernay, who received the Melvin Van Peoples Award presented by his son, Mario. How does it feel to join this class of black filmmakers who are award-winning, but producing things for the culture as well? Yeah, well, I think, you know, we've, we've always had black filmmakers who have produced things for the culture and kept an eye on that. Melvin Van Peebles, who this award is named after tonight that I'm getting, um, is the godfather of that. You think of Gordon Parks, you think of Maya Angelou, who was a filmmaker, who was a director. Um, we stand on the shoulders of these giants, and so we have to say their names, we have to evoke them when we're out in these spaces. While Ava was in her space of celebrating, I had to ask about the plans for the final season seven of Queen Sugar. What do you want the legacy of this show to be? You know, I think we've done it. I think we have a, a, a fervent, you know, uh, a robust, small cult-like following that has kept this thing going for, we're going on seven years, seven seasons. And that's all you can ask for when you're starting to make a show. We're thrilled, we're gonna have fun next year and, uh, and go out with a bang. In 21st century Harlem, we sisters can be fierce, be in charge, call the shots, get what we want. Why do you guys think these particular stories are going to resonate with people? Because it's so 2021, because it's not, it's so uh, relevant but timeless. Here in Harlem, being a woman in total control of her life and love. You know, I saw you the other night. Harlem is a hit and is resonating with the masses. Megan Good and Jerry Johnson co-star in the Amazon Prime series about a quartet of 30-something women navigating life and love in the big city. Guys, I'm seriously fine. Uh, girl, you know we don't believe you, have you right? You sprinkles in your hair. Ah. From the mind of girls trip writer Tracy Oliver and produced by Pharrell, the series does have some heavy-hitting guest cameos. Dr. Pruitt, I'm such a fan of your work. I've read all three of your books. I mean, Whoopi Goldberg, Jasmine Guy, Sullivan Jones. Yes. What was it like working with this cast? Amazing. Everybody came in humble, thankful mm -hmm. to be there. For me, the big thing was was uh, uh, Whoopi. You know, I, I was an extra in soap, soap Dish when I was 10 and met her on that set and then cut to 30 years later and we're sharing the screen together in like these scenes that are just so much fun. I think now's a good time to take a little break, don't you? All right, let's break down some other headlines going on. Let's bring in an entertainment reporter, Ty Cole, and Variety senior entertainment writer, Angelique Jackson. Thank you both for joining me. 
Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, first up, let's get into the movies and updates on a lot of these films that we've been covering from Bruise to Passing and True Story. These are the films that continue to hold steady across the streamers. Angelique, what's your take? It's really amazing to see just how much people are consuming. Uh, In particular, Netflix has this amazing slate of Black movies, like you said, Passing and Bruise, but they also have The Harder They Fall, which is one Mm -hmm. of the most exciting entries into kind of this awards race this year. Uh, That one, of course, has been nominated for all kinds of ensemble awards. It got honored at the Gotham's uh, just last week. And it's it's great to see that there are movies also like on HBO Max with King Richard where, yes, mm-hmm. you know, you can go see it in theaters, but it's kind of become obvious that a lot of families and in particular Black families are consuming that movie more at home. I love it. I mean, I'm an advocate for just Black film in general, but what mm-hmm. I love most about it is that just the different stories are finally telling. Like, I don't feel like we're limited anymore. You know, yeah. I love Bruce, one of my favorite films this year. I watched it mm-hmm. twice, actually. Shout out to you, Holly. And the reason why I love it is because, one, there's no white savior complex. Two, mm-hmm. it's not your stereotypical Black film that you're watching where it's like we're drug infested or we're seen in like a certain negative light. It's right. literally this woman who is a former MMA fighter who is fighting to get back her recognition. I do want to switch topics for a second because Drake ended up withdrawing his two Grammy nominations. I want to know what you guys make of this. Clearly he had initially chosen to submit for Mm -hmm. those categories and now is is pulling back. There's a lot of conversation about the real reason why behind it. Is this related to Astroworld? Is he doing this, you know, in respect to the victims? who were killed or injured while he had, you know, did his guest performance on stage with Travis Scott. That could be the reason. He's also kind of had an up and down relationship with the Grammys over the years, kind of calling out the organization for not being as representative um, as it could be with regard to Black artists. Um, But it's kind of one of those stories that I think we're all just tracking because it it mm-hmm. is a little, it's a little surprising for him to take this step back and just yeah. kind of waiting to find out, you know, when he finally says, you know, exactly what was up. I want to jump right into another headline with you both. And it's reading a little bit like a telenovela, the Jesse Smollett trial. The defense in the Jesse Smollett trial has rested with Jesse dropping a $2 million bombshell accusation of a shakedown against the Osendario brothers. I think we've all been kind of, on this roller coaster with this story and a big part of the reason why it was such a roller coaster was obviously because at the time jesse was a part of one of the biggest shows on television with empire and it was just such a emotionally charged moment if you both could look into your crystal ball what's your prediction on whether jesse will be found guilty or not what i hope is that you know it's in god's hands and I'm a firm believer that, you know, whatever is being hidden on either either party, the truth will come out. Mm-hmm. And my golden hope is that whatever that truth is, that everyone can just be accountable, can stand in their truth. And I just hope that we continue to 
just look out and watch out for members of the LGBTQIA community. Ty, Angelique, thank you so much for both weighing in on our entertainment and Jesse Smollett trial. I appreciate you both for being here. Thank you. Thank you. All right, coming up, the people of Barbados are taking control of their destiny and rethinking their royal connection. That's up next. From the darkest days of our past and the appalling atrocity of slavery, which forever stains our history, the people of this island forged their path with extraordinary fortitude. That is Prince Charles acknowledging the tragic history of slavery in Barbados. The nation has now made the monumental royal transition, distancing itself from Buckingham Palace and leaving its colonial past behind. Welcome back to Revolt Black News Weekly. I'm special correspondent Naima Abdullahi. The Caribbean island nation of Barbados has now made that big, impactful transition, becoming the newest republic in the world. This after nearly 400 years since the first set of boats arrived there. This is history in real time. Last week, Dame Sandra Mason, who became the country's first president-elect, replaced Queen Elizabeth as its head of state. So what does this mean, not only for Barbados, but other Caribbean islands and territories under the British Empire? This leads us to our conversation today. Joining me, we have Dr. Claire Nelson, the founder and president of the Institute of Caribbean Studies, Kobe Brooms, Vice President of the Barbados Youth Development Council, and Kareem Smith, multimedia journalist for Barbados Today. Welcome to the conversation. When we look at the long journey of emancipation and freedom for Barbados to become truly independent, evaluating and really examining this historic moment that we're seeing unfold right now. Okay. Well, I think I think it's a continuation. Um, many persons have described it as the completion or the culmination of um, all things independence for Barbados. Um, but for me, it's a continuation. It's a continuation of a process that, to some extent, some very small extent, started at emancipation. Uh, we in Barbados would have endured even after emancipation a hundred-year period or so, where many persons would have still been. Uh, subjected to slave-like conditions. Uh, much of that would have changed after the 1930s revolt, something that persons don't usually talk about um, when they talk about the emancipation process, but that's a period in Barbados where we had um, masses of persons getting up and saying, well, we, we've been liberated from slavery, but we are still living like slaves for the most part. Throughout the entire process, I believe that there are many things beyond um, symbolic titles and, you know, persons in power or, you know, that we also need to confront as a nation. We've overcome another hurdle in that we've removed the queen, um, who is not a Barbadian, who um, is not considered to be an accurate representation of who we are as a people. We have removed her symbolically, which does quite a bit for our um, self-confidence and our ability to show the world what we what we truly represent. But I think it's a process that must con that must now continue. In your response, one word really sticks out to me. You said continuation, right? Kobe, let me bring you into this conversation. How long has this effort been ongoing underway to remove uh, Queen Elizabeth as the head of state? 
this process, um, the process to become a republic, um, I would say has been underway for well over probably about 30, 40 years. Barbados gained independence in 1966, and there's actually a, a documented period of timeline for which the country moved to republican status. It started um, with a former politician leading up a commission to, I think it was in the 1940s, um, to find out if the country was ready to, to go that route. We had two different administrations who talked about doing the to talk about moving the country to that transition and it was only in uh, 2020 during the throne speech by the then governor general in which she said that it was no time to um, stop lingering on the colonial doorsteps and to become a, a truly independent nation so it has been a long process in 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 terms of talking about it but a, a quick turnaround time in terms of actually saying that we were going to do it and making that one year period that probably a couple, yeah, just under a year. Right. And I want to follow up with that. How is this causing a re-examination um, across the board globally of British imperialism um, throughout the diaspora? Well, I think, first of all, at an emotional level, certainly for Jamaican, I think for all countries who are Commonwealth countries, they have a problem with the, the governor generals have to state things like allegiance to the queen. You see, you see, they could take out that, that sentence and still remain attached. They probably would say, okay, great. But I've been told they can't remove the sentence and that therein lies this, this the issue. I think the, the Commonwealth countries, many of them who have small nations, small judicial systems, really don't want the final court of appeals to be resident in the country because of the politics of small countries where everybody knows everybody. And there's this feeling that you won't get a fair hearing. So there's a lot of, let's say, those kind of social and trust capital issues that need to be worked out. But certainly, I think everybody believes that it's time we certainly stop pledging allegiance to the Queen. Nobody has a problem with that. I think the issue is, what does it actually mean in practical terms? When news about the royal transition came out, uh, the country was also honoring a national hero of Barbados, Rihanna. Um, if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's. Um, to see all the multiple headlines, Dr. Uh, Nelson, when you saw that as well, national hero, um, what came to your mind with that celebration as well? Well, that was really, I would say it was surprising because typical Caribbean heroes tend to be old. <laughs> so it's very unusual for somebody to be named a hero at such a young age. I think everybody was taken aback by that. Um, one understands that she has been not just um, vocal about her country, she's also been very giving to her country in a way that many other Caribbean, let's call it stars, have not been. Dr. Nelson, Kareem, Kobe, this has been an insightful conversation. All of you really contributed to this conversation because it is a historic moment and we appreciate your time for chiming in on this conversation. Coming up, Black Girl Power at its finest, how one nonprofit is paving the way for more women and young girls to change the face of technology. That's straight ahead on Revolt Black News Weekly. Welcome back. We turn our attention now to Black Girl Magic and the push to change the hue and face of technology one woman at a time. 
Hello, my name is Kimberly Bryant. I'm the founder and CEO of Black Girls Code. We are a nonprofit organization that was founded originally back in 2011 here in the San Francisco Bay Area. The mission of Black Girls Code is to quote unquote, change the face of technology. But what that really means is that we want to create a robust pipeline a diverse pipeline of tech talent, primarily focused on increasing the representation of Black women and girls in the field of technology as both innovators and creators. In most companies, Black women are less than 3% um, in, in terms of the tech workforce. When we look at the representation in university now, we're less than 2%. And there's only about 12% of women in general getting a computer science degree. So what we are doing is, is really addressing this, this very real bias um, that impacts girls' visibility into where their place is in the tech industry by not only creating this pipeline, but giving them the skill set so that when they get in these rooms, they can persist and not only persist, that they can thrive. It's about creating a legacy of the future Black women leaders that will step into this role in the future as leaders in the world, not just in the tech industry. But I think what our work has done is really shown a light on the possibilities for Black women and girls. And I think that is something that will persist long after Black Girls Code is no longer here. that only allow for change and crafting our black women to change the world in technology. Well done. Well, that does it for us. I'm Ebony K. Williams for Revolt Black News Weekly and the revolution that is shaking the foundation of popular culture. See you next time. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.